0: And now for the review of the day MMA 14, five stars. Wow, this is amazing. Pat is a mega rock star agent in his own right. He knows real estate inside out. Pat asks the right questions and exposes the true secrets to success in the real estate industry. I highly recommend this podcast to any and all aspiring agents. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation, boy, I have a special 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 returning guest. I got Mr. Russell Shaw on the line and Russell is, you know, been on the show a couple of times before. He is knocking things out of the park as usual in Scottsdale, Arizona, and um we're going to talk about some stuff today that most other agents, I would say almost all other agents don't want to come on and talk about some very um, <laughs> straightforward things. So I'm looking forward to this interview. So without further ado, Russell, welcome back to Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be back Matt. I, I love it when we do this. So thank you for having me back. And, and you, you had asked me before we started recording what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the completely false statements that some agents make to other agents to try to sell them crap and to the public when they're taking a listing. I'll start with when stuff's being promoted to agents that you can learn to list hundred percent of the appointments you go on. I go, well, you're lying. You either can't count or you're lying. That, that is really my viewpoint. Uh, if an agent's only business is past clients like they literally are only working their past clients.
0: Yeah, that might yeah.
1: be a valid statement. But or if they're doing something like contingency removals for a home builder where they've already bought a home and keep the deal to keep the deal, the builder insists you're going to list it with such and such an agent. I'm not saying that's not a good business. I'm saying don't ever say to some agent who's just getting started. You can learn to do, no, you can't. And you're not going to have that deal anyway. And that so, okay, is probably so, out of business. But. So let's
0: talk about why. So you're saying, first of all, you're going to say, no one should go around saying I'd list hundred percent of the appointments I go on. Really what they Correct. say is really what their goals should be. I think is what you're saying is.
1: I don't think that's a good goal. I think, think it's a, a terrible goal. goal. Yeah. Well, let's start with some facts that I know are true. So some people are literally insane. And I mean that, I don't mean that in a joke manner, Like <laughs> about 20% of the population, I wouldn't want their business if they Let's were standing there to going take please friend. take my list. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to list them like the seller's insane.
0: How do like you they have some the
1: other business? goal. Well, the, when we go in, what we're saying to them is if you want the most money in the least time with the least amount of aggravation, you're going to want us. But there are some sellers that apparently want something different than that. They're looking for someone to water the yard or to come take care of the house or just whatever. They're, they're not trying to get the most money in the least time with the least amount of aggravation. The seller has some other offbeat goal. Uh, they're mad at their ex-wife or they're mad at their ex-husband or they hate them. They have something other than just simply selling the house. I don't want the listing. Period. Let's say you have the house is worth three fifty and they don't want to list it for less than four fifty. We're not taking that listing. Well then couldn't you just test it and see what happens? I don't need to test. I already know what's going to happen. I know the market. Now, if we have a market like let's say where there's no inventory, can we price way ahead of the comps? Oh hell yes. But that's part of our market knowledge, not overpricing, grotesquely overpricing listings. We're not taking it. Well, the guy from such and such a company will take it. Let him have it. I don't want it. We're not doing it because that seller is already established. They don't actually simply want to sell the house. So, part of being a good agent is walking away from business. When I look at the reality of my numbers, and this, if, if I took the 15 consecutive years prior to the run-up and big run-up in prices so taking going from 2004 back for 15 consecutive years and i'll put my numbers up against any agent in the country on thousands and thousands and thousands of listing appointments our numbers at the table this is and, we, and here's how we count a listing appointment they thought we were coming we showed up we went in it counts as an appointment. Okay. And if we didn't walk out with a listing that was like, we're going to start on second, then we didn't get a listing. We, it's just that simple. So our percent at the table between interviews and listings taken over 15 years was between 56 and 58% at the table. Okay. Those are real numbers. Right. We're back to that now because during short sales, we didn't go on the appointment until they had all the, we, they had filled out all the papers and we knew we had them. We could, they could send them to us and we could go pick them up because otherwise we weren't, we weren't going to fiddle with trying to get the papers signed after we had an offer. So what I'm saying is those, we could have been listing 90% of those appointments back in 2005. Our qualifying questions for a listing appointment. What time's good for you, folks? <laughs> like, <laughs> like if we could get the if we could get the care. appointment,
0: you didn't care. We
1: no, we're gonna sell it. We're gonna sell it. No, yet. So right. literally, I'm not. I'm. I'm joking, but I'm really not joking. In 2005, the qualifying question for us was what time's good for you. Now, what, uh, what, there was what no other reason? issue.
0: When when in the, in now Phoenix, Arizona would be most comparable to 2005? What year?
1: Well, we have right now, and this is something you see, this this is happening across the country, but it usually gets missed by almost all economists, and I mean completely missed. They count the number of houses. You look at Case Shiller, Robert, it's the same nonsense. They, they They count the number of houses and say, here's how many are selling, here's how many are for sale. Yeah, sort of. Let me use Phoenix as an example. The Phoenix metropolitan area. Okay. We have two we have but this is this is happening all over the country. I just don't know the the, the number above and below number for elsewhere in the country. So in Phoenix, if I said our market is a we have two very distinct markets, the above 500,000 market and the below 500,000 market. Below 500,000, 93% of all the sales occur below 500000 in Phoenix. Now, what gets attention is the super luxury stuff, a house for $25 million. I could care less. The house that gets listed for $25 million in Phoenix, number one, it's never going to sell for that price, never. And the first two or three listing agents aren't going to sell it anyway at whatever price they took it at. So that's just for starters. 7% of all the sales occur below above 500,000, 500 and above, 7%. But that's got about 30% plus of the inventory. So those two markets behave differently. The buyers, the sellers, and the agents in those markets have a very different perception of the market. So somebody who sells luxury homes could see bloated inventory and somebody who has if you take the median price There's in Phoenix
0: Yeah, I mean if you're if you're a luxury agent in Phoenix, you're gonna say the market sucks. But if you're right you're average sale price at three fifty, you're gonna be like, Man, it's it's crazy. Would you say it's like right. two thousand and five now under five hundred grand? Yes,
1: but it's different numbers. The median price here is about two forty, 240, two forty five. There's hardly any inventory. So let's say when you have inventory really low like we do it around say 2 and a quarter. Let's just use that price range. Okay. At 2 and a quarter. I can price like let's see the comp that a house sold 2 months ago for uh, 225 and we're yep. taking a listing on an identical house today but that one was 225. Well I already know we can sell ours for 240 just for starters.
0: How do you get it to a price? I don't
1: even care for a price. If we don't we we there'll be a cash buyer for it. See, that's what's fantastic. If we take a listing and we get an instantaneous full price offer, we would never say to the seller, "We have a full price offer. Take it." Define full price—the price that mm. they agreed they'd list it at. So we know if we just say, "Let's," so we put it. We take the listing on Thursday, put it in the system on Friday, and Saturday morning have a full price offer. Guess what? We're going to have three or four more offers by Monday.
0: As a member of the rockstar nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been eBooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444 that's toolbox to 444
1: so because we represent our client we're going to say no 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 i understand you've got that you've got that we've got that offer hold on let's see what else we get Right. And then we go back to the buyers, each one, and say, we now have X number of other buyer uh, other customers. Would you like to change your offer? And it gets bid up, and, and it's not uncommon for a cash buyer to buy the house. It really isn't. So in that sense, everybody, yeah, like just cash.
0: everybody just waves the financing contingency. They may not actually be. It's some,
1: I don't want to say everyone. I don't
0: want to go quite that a far, but yeah.
1: But that's, yes, that, absolutely. That's a and function and the, and the realtor's of supply and demand.
0: agents. train them. They say, hey, look, if you're going to buy a house for two and a quarter, uh, unfortunately, you're going to have to waive your financing contingency. So be prepared to put an X to the Yeah, in some
1: cases. The- but that's part of us needing to know the market. Yeah. And you find sometimes agents don't really know the market. And the ones that do, well, you'd find like an agent that does geographic farming might not have the numbers down, but they'll usually pretty well know their market area and they'll instinctively know what price is a little bit higher, it needs to be a little bit lower, that kind of thing, even if they couldn't rattle off the statistics because if they just work that one area, they see it. And so they'll know, oh, that last one sold really fast so I can probably charge a little more on this one, that kind of thing. But they still, if they know the market, they'll be able to have, help, help your client. I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah, The thing the, the, the nonsense is if I say if we ran between 56 and 58% on listings taken to appointments, and if I say if I know those are real numbers, because when you start calling on strangers, so a new agent and the people we're going to see called us first, so now let me bridge out to an agent who's getting started, won't have a bunch of people calling them first. They're going to be cold calling on Fisbos, cold calling on expired door knocking and just walking up yeah, to people they right, know Fizbo's going high. Well, it's, I don't even want to say it sucks, but it might only be one out of four. Right. And I yeah. don't think yeah. they should feel bad if that's what they're doing. They yeah, should feel sir. good.
0: Well, you're doing Fisbos. That's what's going to happen. I mean, it expires too. Yeah. Let me talk to you about uh, like your business. So like how many houses did you do last year?
1: Right at 300, I think it was 301, 302. It was a how crappy have, year.
0: <laughs> how, how many were
1: listings? We did about right at 100 buyer signs. So okay. over 200 listings sold. Right. Just just a hair That's over great.
0: 200. I love that. Sold. I love those numbers. Very good numbers. Now, are you going on the listing appointment or are you sending somebody else?
1: Oh, no, no. I haven't gone on an actual listing appointment since 2001.
0: Okay, so uh,
1: no, I I have. List-
0: what are you teaching your people? Like, give us some advice. Your listing agents who go out on their listing appointment—that we need to know. Like, uh, how are you?
1: Well, the first thing, they I don't. Here's the thing: by the time they're a lister for me, they already know how to price a home, and they don't use square price per square foot nonsense. I've got a a link I can send you. A, a class that I've taught here. I don't teach it live anymore. On the price per square foot gibberish. Uh, you could get the same answer Zillow gets if you wanted to use that. If price per square foot by itself was a valid method for pricing homes, Zillow would be correct every time. And in fact, they're almost never actives correct.
0: Actives, or what do they use?
1: We use actives, pending, sold, expires, but we're not using price per square foot. We do not multiply the average price in the neighborhood times the number of square foot in the subject property. Like an appraiser. You never use yeah. two-story home. Well, an appraiser is doing something very different. Appraisers, in our state, it requires 2,000 hours of apprenticeship for an appraiser to be an appraiser. So if a developer or an appraiser says the price per foot is X and they know what they're talking about, they actually know how to separate the land, the infrastructure, the cost of materials, they they have a lot of knowledge that most realtors are not possessing. So when you just take the price per foot of the house, you can take any sale and you can take, here's what it sold for, you can divide the number of square feet in the house into the price and go, here's what the price per square foot was. I mean, you could do that. That that formula doesn't work the other direction. You cannot just go, well, if it's this big, If you had a house that was 2,000 square feet and another one that was 1,500 square feet and they were identical except for the size, the 2,000 square foot home is never worth 25% more than the 1,500 square foot home because the kitchen and the bathrooms are the expensive rooms. So, price per square foot may only be used if you know what you're talking about, yeah, and if you're just coming in doing the CM, you won't know what you're talking about. So you teach Skip it completely.
0: You make sure that they're like an appraiser. You're making sure that they're well educated in pricing a house, and then you send them out there. Now, are you sending them on?
1: Wait, no, no, no. That's no, jumping way ahead. I never, in my career, and I've been almost forty years, we have never hired a lister we don't hire listers. We will never hire a lister. We only hire buyer agents. And once the buyer agent has proven themselves as a team member, only then would they ever be graduated to lister. Hmm. A lister who is self-serving. See, I've had buyer agents that were just self-serving, only ones, only themselves that mattered. Well, you put them on a listing post, they'll bring nothing but crap in the door. They will just funnel it in for you uh, because they don't care about what it costs you to take a listing. They don't care how crazy the seller is. They don't give a damn about anything, but maybe the thing might sell. and how's it, They're already there. Why don't they go ahead and sign them up? So I don't want that kind of crap run into my organization. So when we, we have a buyer agent that has proven they're a team member, They've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. They're willing to do stuff that doesn't really directly help them, but they're helping the team and their teammates. Those are the people that I'm interested if I have to have another lister to add. And that's exactly who we go for. We don't hire listers. So by the time we're we're putting them on a lister post, back in the day, I personally went on appointments. Well, I would have the person I was training come with me and just... I would tell them, if you're going to come with me for a week or two, just watch me. Don't say anything. Just watch what I do. And then then I would go with them for about a week and watch what they do. I can't do that anymore because I'm a TV celebrity advertising my business. And so what happens? I go into a house. They're not responding to what a, a listing agent's doing. They're responding to some guy on TV and the person watching me wouldn't learn a damn thing. i do the same thing but with one of my experienced listers and have them do it. But I have a specific ritual that is followed every time. That's every what I want to know.
0: That's that, what I think someone yes. listening in another city in another state can write down. And quite frankly, that's uh-huh. how you helped me way back in the day where I wrote down your television commercial and duplicated it uh-huh. from a program like this, so from Howard Brinton's program. Yeah. So I want I want someone listening to do the same thing, but for listing appointments. Like, what is Russell Shaw's listing appointment? What's it look like? What are the steps? What do you say? What do you not yeah. say?
1: Yeah, I'll cover it. The first thing is when I go, this is where there's an appointment time. The first rule is be on time. And when I knock on the door, and I always knocked on the door, I did not ring the doorbell. I don't know, just the thing that I just worked better. I knocked on the door, and when they answered, and I'm a big guy. I weigh now. I'm down to two eighty, but I normally weigh around. I've been weighing about three hundred pounds. So, and I'm six six two. When they when they answer, not trying to say get a load at me. My point is. When they answered the door, I would step back. If it's if you're a hundred pound woman, do you need to step back? Probably not. If, if you are a big or tall man, and they and they answer the door, step back. You do not want to overpower someone with look how big I am. If you're hoping to find a way to get them to not do business with you, you can that one works perfectly. Overpower them with how big you are, and they'll find someone else to do business with because you'll make them feel small.
0: As a member of the rockstar nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been eBooks, forms, reports, Negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999.
1: So the first thing I would do is step back. Next thing, I would say their name. I would always say their name and wait for them to say yes. I already knew their name, I knew it was that person, but I wanted to get my first yes, so I would say their name. Mr. Hyman. yes. May I come in? There's my second yes. Then what I'm looking for is where I'm going to sit, where I'm going to do the presentation. It is never, never, never going to be on the couch in the living room, never. Unless the seller is legally blind And I mean fully and can't see at all. (laughs) I'm not sitting in the living room. If they have eyes and can see, we are going to sit at a table. And if they need to clean a table or clear it of crap, I'll wait. We are sitting at a table or I couldn't possibly do what I call a presentation. Okay. So I'm looking for the table. And then once I find the table, I'm looking for where I'm going to sit. Now, that's critical to me because I do not want, let's say, a rectangular table with a husband at one end, a wife at the other end, and me in the middle so I can look back and forth at them. So I need to be where I can see both of them without turning my head, and my listing presentation manual is going to be something that lays flat on their table so I can turn the pages I already know what it says, so I can read it upside down because I'm not really reading. I'm just talking about what's on that page as I flip it. As an important point, I use an Ibico binder. The reason I say an Ibico spiral binder is I detest book binder-type presentations. I think they're awful. I don't think any agent should use them for anything. You cannot open them and have them lie flat. And unless you're hoping just to impress people with crap you send out, and not actually have it be functional, use a binder that lets it open up and lay flat. Okay. While I'm on that point, do we have a pre-listing package? Yes. And I sent you a link where you yeah, can, put gonna, where I'll, I'll can put it where you can. I'll put this this it. is
0: awesome. I looked at it, guys. I'm gonna put this on hybendigital.com Absolutely. backslash Russell Shaw three, the number three, Russell Shaw three. But keep going. So you you bring this pre-listing. Yeah, and, and they're welcome
1: to use anything. Do not copy, do not use the name No Hassle Listing. I'm already going to have to send threat, lawyer threat letters to people using the name no-hassle list, and so <laughs> please don't use that. Even if you're in a different city, if Google can find it, I'm going to have to have a law firm anyway. Let me skip that crap. So, but steal all the ideas? Absolutely. So you're going to want something that when you, when you first start your listing presentation manual and your pre-listing package is really the same thing. As you get going, you'll want to change that. But when you first get going, you can use them interchangeably. But lay flat. So the first thing I'm looking for is where I'm going to sit. Let me go back to that. Where I'm going to sit, and I ask them, "May I put my briefcase here?" And I literally put my briefcase where I'm going to sit in that chair. That's number one. Okay. Right there. That's all okay. that stuff. Was to get to that point of where is my briefcase going to go, and then I don't sit down. But I say, may I see the house? And even if you do a lot of listing appointments and you work in a neighborhood where you go, hell, I've seen that model 50 times. I I don't need to see it. Yes, you do. A failure to go look at the house when you later try to talk price, the first thing they'll say is, but you haven't
0: seen my house.
1: Right. Oh, so how much right. time
0: are you spending uh, walking through the house? Would you say, or that you? As
1: much as is necessary, because this is where I do my ice-breaking communication. Mm. I want them to see me see the house. I open every closet. I literally, I open every closet. If they have an older home with shower curtains, I pull the shower curtains back. I want them mm. to see me see the house. I don't give a damn about seeing it. I want them to see me see it. Right. Because, and I comment if there's something that needs to be fixed, needs to be changed, needs to be modified, needs to be moved. I tell them, I say, may I speak frankly? And I just start telling them about it. You're going to want to probably fix that. You're going to want to move this. That shrub should be trimmed. It would be better if those boxes weren't there. Whatever the hell it is, tell them. I just tell them. I've heard people say, well, I'll wait till they list it with me. But I'm there to interview for a job. I might not get another shot at that. So I want to seem as impressive as possible. And sometimes we don't know. We took one, we didn't even know we were in competition. And here's something else. Always assume you're in competition. Even if you think they're not talking to anybody else, you don't really know that, but pretend like they're talking to other agents and handle your presentation and the way you talk to them accordingly.
0: Yeah. You're always that's saying
1: a that. value. That's a really, yeah, that's a really valuable point of view. So, I want to tell them everything I can to make me stand out, to make us stand out of why they should do business with us. Then when I get back to the table and I sit down, I will usually ask for a glass of water. It doesn't matter whether I'm thirsty. What I want to see, this is when I personally did it, who gets the water or who tells the other one to get the water for me? Because I want to see who the decision maker is.
0: So the decision maker gets the uh, water,
1: or tells the other one. The, the decision maker, like if the wife says to the husband, "Herb, get him a glass of water." Well, I already know she's in charge.
0: Boom. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if Herb, see, gets it, up, it doesn't. But if Herb gets up and depends. gets himself, then you know Herb's in charge.
1: Maybe I don't know. It depends. I just want to see the dynamics there. I just want to see the dynamics, and I can always use little water. So that's part of it. Then I go through my presentation manual, which is essentially what you're going to see in that pre-listing package. Yes. But it's, it's on a, a different page. Yeah. Literally. And, and the first thing, while well, you're not discussing the price yet, what I'm doing is I'm going through all of the reasons they should do business with me. Now, let me take that and flesh it out. If you are a young agent, that's the reason they should hire you. If you're a woman, that's the reason they should hire you. If you're an older man, that's a reason they should hire you. If you work by yourself, that's a reason they should hire you. If you have a huge team, that's a reason they should hire you. You're with REMAX. That's biggest agent to agent referral network. Get the idea. You're with Colwell Banker. It's fantastic. There's a reason to hire me. I'm a Colwell banker. The point I'm getting at is take whatever deal you've got, take whatever company you're with. Keller Williams, it's the largest company in the world, most agents in the world. That's that's a fact. But you just take whatever the hell you've got and convert it into a benefit for them. And that's Entire reason to go through all that stuff. I want to answer their questions on the process of selling a home. I want to take up any considerations they have. Uh, we don't want open houses. Fantastic. We're not ever going to do them. In fact, I have that in writing in my package because <laughs> I don't like them. But that doesn't mean no one should do them. It's just I don't want to do them. So how do you- they don't want a lockbox. If you want the most money in the least time with the least amount of aggravation, you do want a lot of us. Go ahead with your question. Pat.
0: Yeah. So, so how do you handle that? Let's say, oh, well, you know, we heard open houses were good or everybody does open houses.
1: Well, if you can take anything, if you like open houses and some agents make a living doing them, so please don't think I'm saying don't do them. I'm not saying that. I'm absolutely, I, I promise I'm not saying that I'm saying I don't want to promise to do them for the very simple reason. This is just me now, because if you only have one customer and they say, can you come do an open house every weekend? Sure. <laughs> but let's say you're an agent working alone. At one time I was, and now you have four listings. You can't do an open house on each one of them every weekend. You, you see what I'm saying? You, you get into this, or well, what if you have a buyer? So, It just depends on what your infrastructure is, but for me and on an occupied home, I don't like the idea while one of the parties pretending to be a husband and wife keeps you busy in the kitchen, the other one made a beeline for the master bedroom bathroom to see what they could steal back there, that kind of stuff. If it's a vacant house or frankly for a woman alone, I go, I wouldn't recommend doing it. The open house. Now, We have open house signs, and our deal says if you sell it yourself. So we tell them, we'll give you open house signs to use if you want to have them. You can have all you want. Have them every day if you want to. We just handle it by telling them we don't do them, but we'd be happy to give them open house signs, and they can have them all they want. And if they find a buyer, they can call us and have a vastly reduced commission. Because if they find the buyer and the buyer's not working with an agent, we'd do the deal at 1%. And we do 10, 15 deals like that a year something like that so that's fine where it's not what the business not our business model of looking for that but we certainly get those so i hope i'm answering your question
0: yeah yeah absolutely. Uh, so you know what i like most so, about so, your pre-list book here your listing book that you're flipping through is this little map here i hadn't seen this basically he's got a map of phoenix metroplex scottsdale area or whatever the valley and there's a little uh-huh. dot of every house that you've ever sold and it makes it looks like it makes it look like you're the only agent that's out there selling there's so many little dots
1: <laughs> well not quite the only one there's another i have got 30,000 almost 40,000 now <laughs> uh, competitors here but yeah <laughs> I mean it covers that I've the, been doing it a long time.
0: Yeah, I know. I love I love that. So you flip through this <laughs> and then you go into price, right?
1: Yeah, but the first thing that prices last, and the first thing though is to, is, is to establish why they should do business with us. That's the entire point of that. And, and I'll tell you something, like years ago when I wasn't a big agent, I was just really at the bottom of the rung of wanting to be a big agent. And I was sitting here at the table. Here, here's a little thing I used that was, I think, sort of clever. Let's say I was in a competition. I wasn't in competition, but I feared I was. And whoever they would be interviewing that was a big agent would have dwarfed my, co- my production at the time. And one of the questions that I would ask it to do, and I'm saying, I said, you're probably wondering why you should do business with me instead of some other agent. Now they've sort of gotten them to ask me that question by launching it out there. And I go, well, it depends on who you're comparing me to. If you're comparing me to an ordinary average agent, there's a ton of reasons. But if you're comparing me, and I would rattle off whoever the top agents were. So, like, let's say I was on the west side of Phoenix. If you're talking about, let's say back then, uh, Nate Martinez or Frank Russo, right. well, hell, if you hire Nate, Frank, or me, you're getting a good agent no matter which one of us you hire. And I would pick any agent, like if I was over in Mountain Park Ranch. Well, why
0: would you do that? If why you would were you talk- bring up Nate Martinez, Frank Russo, aren't you? Uh huh. Through- Maybe. And I
1: did the same thing. I, I'd go Mike Mendoza. Where at this time, Mike was the number one agent in the state, period. And he was absolutely, and he sort of owned Mountain Park Ranch. And I'm right in the damn middle of Mountain Park Ranch on a listing appointment. And so at the time, and this is nothing against Mike. I adore Mike. This is, we're friends. But my point is, I'd say at the time, if you're talking about comparing me to, say, Mike Mendoza or Paul Pastore or Bill Ryan, Or me, no matter which one of us you hire, you're going to get a great agent. They didn't even ask me to justify the statement. Never. (laughs) Why do you
0: do that is the question.
1: (laughs) Because if you think of the concept, like the most important book on marketing ever written is the 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Rees and Jack Trout. So if you want to learn marketing, start with that book, read it, and then when you're at the end, read it again and then go through it the third time to make sure you actually understand every one of the principles. But just take the... When we're talking to people, you don't change people's minds. You don't go give them new, brand new data or something they've never heard of. You position your product against, for, with, above, below, or along with some other product. So if you wanted to... Like when Lexus first came on the market, they sort of aimed... At, at BMW going, this is the sensible luxury car. I'm going way back to when the brand started. No, it, literally their positioning was the sensible luxury car. So if I'm in a neighborhood where I'm sitting there and I don't, ha- at that time I didn't
0: have an and uh, amazing credential. And, and your point on that was they're saying, you know, there's a lot of luxury cars they are all luxury, but uh-huh. we're sensible.
1: Yes. You could take there's good positioning, there's bad positioning, uh, but the point I'm getting at is if you took the top agents in an area and you position yourself with them, because if you make the statement, "I'm the only good oh, agent I there see. is," well, first, it's first of all, it's an idiot statement, and no one's going to believe it. L- literally, no one will believe, it, unless your mother or your brother or something, your wife or husband. But I mean, for real, a customer is not going to go, "You're the one good agent." <laughs> well that's that, that's absurd that's an absurd concept and no one's going to believe it and no one's going to go where do i sign
0: i see so, so, you, so even if, if you're a new age you, you even if you've only signed yeah. three listings you go whether you pick me or bob Lacito or craig northrup we're all good there agents. you go so you're taking yourself as there new you new go and plugging yourself correct
1: in. you've lost there you got it Now you were saying the same thing. You align yourself with people they already know who they are. Right. And they're going to, oh, you're you're one of them, and you're the one who has the nerve to bring them up. You must be pretty confident. Yes. So it's a positioning thing of you're aligning yourself with super success. And I hope if you're listening to this interview, that's where you're headed anyway. I mean, that's why you're listening. So what you want to do is change your attitude on your, you are successful. Just align yourself with success. Not I hope to be successful someday like so-and-so. Well, that'll really impress them. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So then when I go into the price, we show them. And if you want to see how this works on, and I'll send you the link, Pat, so you can post it on, on a class I taught on pricing where we actually show in the class. We get to see it. There's a handout of some listing from a couple of years ago, but still we show all the active listings, all the pendings, all the solds going back six months, all the expireds and canceled. We don't cherry pick the data. So the customers then handed either a sheet that shows that, or it's part of a bound part of the bound presentation, but either way, the listing specialist can show them here's what's for sale in your neighborhood right now, Here's the ones that are currently under contract. And say, here's the map area those were taken from. So we're, we're able to sit there and narrow down. Here's the stuff we're looking at for the houses we're going to compare yours to. And we're then just going through. And plus, and we're finding something that's relevant. And then going, well, we know this house is not as nice as your house. Plus, it's smaller. So we know yours is worth more than that one. And we're literally then orienting to getting them to see, well, yeah, mine is worth more than that one. And here's one over here that's just two doors down, but it's quite a bit bigger than your house. And they have a pool and you yours doesn't. So we know yours would be worth less than this one. And we're bracketing as we go through yeah. and establishing a high low on what is the probable value of their house Yep. and gradiently getting their agreement as we go through. It's not, this is not a sales pitch. Even though I'm seated across the table from them, my attitude and my viewpoint, and I might even say this to them, but my important part is the attitude. I'm really on the same side of the table as them. I neither want to overprice the home, and I don't want to underprice the home. Mm. And I even assure them that if we did underprice the home because we underestimated market velocity, it won't matter. This is a key point. It won't matter because we won't leave any of your money laying on the table. If we get an instant offer, we will just accumulate offers and shop the offers back and forth amongst us. So we will get you top dollar. We'll find the actual water line. If we see that we're fishing with our bait out of water, we will simply lower the price. And now I just announced them that. Front. Look, if like, we
0: get an offer in 24 hours, we ain't taking it. We're waiting.
1: Right. Yes. Yes. Now this, let me, let me check if it's a 900,000 in our market or a million dollar yeah, yeah. house, and a right? Buyer just happened think, to, Oh, that's different. But on a house where, where there's the probably no, 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 there'll be, there'll be five other buyers in less than 48 hours that don't know about it. And when they do, they'll want to write. So yeah, that it's going to depend on the, and part of this is just knowing your market and there's no substitute for that. If you say, What does the public want from a real estate agent more than any other thing? Now, obviously, you have honesty is a key issue. But aside from, okay, the the agent's honest. But actually, most agents are not intentionally lying about anything. They might be wrong about some FHA ruler, but they're not trying to trick anyone. They just don't (laughs) know what they're talking about. Right, yeah. So you go to what one commodity does a realtor provide to the public that the public considers really 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 valuable and by the way well they could read that on the internet you could read i can yeah. go to any attorney right i right. can go to any attorney everything that attorney knows is on the internet well
0: you know what i mean they'll be like what do you hey. they, they yeah. love well, listen to this. hypocrisy and for to be able to say hey you know, you didn't tell me anything I didn't already know, and I've just been...
1: It doesn't matter, for but here's, here's the thing. If you go to a lawyer, if you need a lawyer, or you need a doctor, it's like everything my dentist knows is on the internet. <laughs> That's so irrelevant, because what we're, what we're doing, and it really is the same thing, that a dentist, or a lawyer, or a plumber, or an electrician, or anybody else that knows their business what we're actually doing is correctly evaluating the data so if you actually look is what do what can we provide the public and that is correct and correctly evaluated data about the market like this is i mean you literally to be able to say to someone and you could find this out in your area so easily you could take you could just find like when i said in my market it's above 500, below 500. What is it in Ames, Iowa? Because I know it's a different number. What is it in Manhattan? Again, I know it's a different number, but how long would it take for you to find out what that number is if you're in Manhattan, or how, how, what that number is if you're in Ames, Iowa? What would it take for you to figure out, okay, here's where 90% of the business is above this number and 10% is below? You understand you, you could find that out and you could find out what the percentage of inventory was in sales and you could check it from time to time. There's parts of our valley here. I won't rattle off the names because no, they won't mean anything if somebody's not here. But if you look well, I'll use Mesa. Mesa, Arizona is the third largest city in the state of Arizona. There's Phoenix, Tucson, and then Mesa. Mesa is not a suburb of Phoenix. It's a giant land mass and population city. Three months ago, the hottest seller market in our entire state was Avondale, actually El Mirage, but it's too small to get counted. So Avondale is seventeen cities. The current number one hottest sellers market in the damn state is Mesa. Right now it's Mesa. Boeing came in to put a put a plant there, and they've hired so many people and brought them in that all of a sudden houses in Mesa. That six months ago, you'd have gone, that's going to be tough to sell that one. Not now. (laughs) Not now, it won't be tough. And the price ranges have changed. The stuff between 300 and 500 is now 30% of our market. Now, I know that because I'm blessed to have a brilliant man named Michael Orr, who lives in England, who does math on constant math, and I subscribe to it, to the market here in the Phoenix area. But if you dig down, if you take stuff like Case Schiller, is it correct? Yes. It's all the banks ever use. It's why they're always wrong on what the current market is. Right. Can you is, is Case Schiller correct? Oh, it's fantastically correct. Robert Schiller won a Nobel Peace Prize for developing his system of calculating what was happening with prices. Is it valid? It's fantastic. You'll notice that companies like Fannie and the big banks are always out of step with the market because they use Case Shiller. Case Shiller is four months minimum out of date the day it's published. I want to say that again. Four months minimum out of date the day it's published. So if you're a working realtor, can you ever use Case Shiller to give you an indication of what's going on with your market? No, the correct answer is never, unless you want to be wrong. Right. The odds of it ever matching. <laughs> I know. I know the temperature and the rainfall for four months ago.
0: Right, you can't right. use that today. No, for, I don't think for, a lot of agents you know use that anyways. I don't. I don't know who's using that. And and you know what? No, I No, no. You know what I found is is going back to your point about best thing you can do is know your market, and that is you know agents preview houses. So the agent brings knowledge, they bring the, you know, their value, they go over the net sheet. How do you have them close up the listing appointment and walk away?
1: Well, the thing we've established, we've gone through, is when do they need to move? Why are they selling? So if they need to move because of some job transfer, you're not going to need to do much to what well, you want to get this started right away kind of thing. But conversely, let's say we're on an appointment and this happens where they're looking at, well, we're going to put the house up for sale in three months when when Charles retires or when Johnny finishes his semester or some such thing. So one of the things I learned from Gary Keller, as a matter of fact, is there's two different types of, this is in the book Shift, there's two different motivations for someone to sell. One would be market reasons and one would be personal reasons. So if the reason they're selling is a personal reason, you're not going to ever change their timetable. Wow. And rather than, well, you're never going to. See, you see, if it's a market reason, and you can go with the market's change, like a buyer like who's that. waiting like to that. buy.
0: Market reason or personal who, reason, and you decide. Yeah. If it's personal reason, then they're either gonna, what do you do if it's personal reasons?
1: Well, we literally, you want to then, you don't want to align yourself with someone who's just there trying to make a deal, just not in their best. And we'll obviously, we'll we'll go, I'll tell you, I'll I'll check back with you in three months or say two and a half months and see what it looks like then. And if that's good, I'll come back then. If not, we'll just postpone it, but I'll just check in at about two and a half months or something like that to where they don't feel stressed. There's no reason. You're not going to sign them up anyway. So, If it's a market reason, like turn that around, pretend you're working with a buyer and you're in a market where the price range they're in has rising prices and they're saying, I don't want to get into a bidding war. Okay, so the house you don't want to get into a bidding war right now at 300, if you wait until there's no bidding war on it, uh, it'll be three three and a quarter to 330, but okay, we can do it that way. Because that's really what's gonna happen. Yeah. That's really what's going to happen. So if that's a market reason. Like they're going, well, I'm not comfortable doing that. Well, then you're not going to get a house for that price. Yeah, It's just that simple. So there you'd be part of it as an educational thing. Well, yeah, I hear you, but you have to do this now if you want to get a house at that price range. If it's a personal reason, which most of our sales are, especially on the seller side, we are not trying to push them. We're literally consulting with them to find out what's going to work best for them. Yeah. Why is, is why
0: are they selling? If the market it? reason, if, then you're going to say their their motivation is ten times better. Right. They're, yeah, they're much better it
1: Yeah. Who are you talking to? Why are you even there? There are people.
0: Why who, are you even there?
1: Well, yeah. They'll look at selling because they just want to see what they can get, and if it was enough. Then they would sell the house, and then they might go buy one. They don't even know what the hell they're doing. Like I've had people call me at two or three in the afternoon. Can we come to their house that day? Because they're going to sell the house. Usually we can't quite do that. And then the interesting thing is, those same people have got to have it right now. In two days, like we've changed, we're not going to move. We've changed our mind. Right? Yeah. That I'm not. It's just not this nutty quality. But most people who are planning their lives will want, especially if you're working sellers, will want to get some idea of what to fix, what's the probable price Absolutely. range, or yeah, something yeah. they should do way before they're going to put the house on the market. Right. And what you want to do, let's go back to the concept of positioning. You want to get in their head as the trusted advisor way before they, they, they don't have to do, they don't need to hire anyone right now There's your opportunity to become a trusted person that tells them, do this, don't eh, don't worry about that. It'll sell for the same price whether you change that or not. That kind of stuff. And all of it, it's time to get the listing. They just, hey, can you is tomorrow good for you or is Wednesday better or whatever the hell? You understand? That's going to always work better if they trust you. And there's no faster way to get trust than to give them information that is not in your best interest but is in theirs. Like the people we tell, I had we get them all the time. The woman was going to finish school, and she wanted to sell the house now so they wouldn't have trouble selling it when she finished school. But if I tell them this is the truth, I remember that conversation, I can get you at least $10,000 more if, if she doesn't need to sell it now. I told her fiancé, then why don't you just wait and list it then. I can get you at least 10000 more in that price range that will go up between now and then. He said, are you sure? I said, yep. Absolutely, this is what I do, and it'll go up by at least ten thousand because there's the inventory so low that it'd be a no-brainer. And why don't you just wait to sell it then? I talked to a guy about two weeks ago. Uh, he was going to list his house now, and he wanted to move. He's waiting for his girlfriend, where she gets. She's in a seller beauty salon, and so in about eight months he'll be ready to sell it. And he was thinking of selling his home and getting an apartment. And I said, sir, in the price range your house is in. I can sell it for you later for more money. Why don't you just wait and we'll sell it then? You don't have to move twice. What do you think his reaction was?
0: Yeah, he loves you.
1: Oh yeah. Oh my I promise you, Russ, I promise you I'll list it with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, you will. That's, That's the kind of stuff that makes all the difference in the world. So, yeah. anyway, I hope this has helped solve the problem or two for some of the <laughs> listeners. And uh, honestly, Pat, it's always a pleasure to talk to
0: you. Russell, thanks so much. I'm going to put all of Russell's information as well as the things that he mentioned in here that he promised to get back uh, to us that we'll put in the Real Estate Rockstars Toolbox at uh, www.hybindigital.com backslash Russell Shaw, then the number three. As well as if you just go to our website and look for the toolbox, they all will be in there. Thank you, Russell. Best of luck to you, buddy. And My next pleasure, time I'm buddy. Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale. I'll look you up. We'll get together and break some bread.
1: I'd love to, pal. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for turning into real estate rock stars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast, and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening, and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben, and keep rocking.